Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at LifeHouse. And I just have to tell you this. Um, I stood on the stage last night and I got to speak in front of around 50 middle school students. Um, and you need to know I was way more nervous then than I am right now speaking in front of all you adults because listen, I'm not a middle school kid anymore and these guys are great and I just was such a privilege to be around them. But last night when all these kids were here, we had these blow up house, bounce house um, obstacle course things out in the lobby um, and a bunch of them came to me and said, Matt, race us through the obstacle course in the bounce house, right? And four years ago, we had the very same thing, very same activity, and I did it. And my whole strategy was to take middle schoolers and just chuck them off the thing. And that's how I would win the whole deal. But four years later, I thought, I'm just going to break my hip. So I didn't do that at all. And I felt kind of bad about myself. And then when I got home last night, my daughter, Megan, who was the leader last night, she's 21. She said, Dad, I raised a bunch of middle school kids on the bounce house, and I chucked a bunch off the side, and I won. I'm like, yes, the tradition carries on in our family. So you just need to know we're keeping it going around here. It is so good to be here, especially after the weekend that we have. We are wrapping up our series called Anything But Average, which means if you're here for the first time, and I said this first service, you just need to know if you're here for the first time, you're watching online for the first time, I'm so excited you decided to be around here with us. It means the world to me that we have visitors, and we have visitors every single Sunday at our church. But you're coming at the end of the movie because it's the end of the series, so I'll try and keep keep you up a little, catch you up a little bit. But it's a series called Anything But Average, and we're trying to figure out how we're not just average human beings or average followers of Jesus. Because you know this, when, when you're five years old, when you're eight years old, and somebody asks you what you want to be when you grow up, you're like, I want to be Superman, or I want to be an Avenger, I want to be an astronaut, something grand. But as we grow up and the trials and the stresses of life beat us down, we just tend to settle for average. And that has been the story for thousands of years. But we believe that when Jesus showed up, he invited us to a life that was anything but average, something that was beyond average, above average, in every facet of life. So we have been talking about this question of what do anything but average people know? Because you know some people, some families, some individuals, some business owners, some husbands, some wives, that they're just above average people. And so we asked the question, what do, what do above average people know? But that wasn't the core question for this series. The core question is, what do anything but average people do? Because you know this, it's what you do with your life that makes all the difference. And how you behave and the disciplines that you have. See, Jesus showed up and he stood on the side of a mountain and he gave a sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, listen, everybody's normal. And he was talking to the people in the day when normal was, you take the minimum requirements of the Jewish law. The minimum requirements, just enough to get by, just enough that you don't get in real trouble. You just do enough and that's how you exist and you're just average. And Jesus said, we're going to go way past average. And he talked about not retaliating like everyone else retaliates and not doing an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth because it had gotten so many people, you know, heading the wrong direction. And this is what we found through Jesus's teachings that anything but average people exceed others' expectations. The people that are above average, they decide, I'm going to exceed the expectations of my spouse. And a bunch of you, we heard stories. You went home, you decided, listen, I'm going to start being the husband my wife dreams about. I'm going to start being the father or mother that my child needs. I'm going to be the follower of Jesus that's past just getting by. And this is where Jesus taught us, if you were here. And if you're more, you can go back and watch the message series. Listen, turn the other cheek, which is super challenging. 
Or when someone asks you for something, give them the shirt off your back or that whole extra mile. If you didn't see that principle, there was a law 2,000 years ago that a Roman soldier could ask a Jewish person or demand a Jewish person carry his you know, weaponry, his gear for a mile. It was a law and a Jewish person had to do it. And Jesus said, yeah, next time you get asked to do that and you're so mad that you have to do something you don't want to do, go another mile. And in that another mile, you tell them about the kingdom of God and how it has changed your life. And then we learned last week, that was in week one, last week we learned that anything but average people live for later. And this is a huge challenge for us. That in the moment, when all we want to do, and we all can fall into this so easy, we all want what we want right now. Whether it's the way we spend our money and I want that thing and it's shiny and new so I'm just going to put more on a credit card. I'm going to borrow more money. Whether it's an appetite for a, 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 some other human being that's not your spouse or not your future spouse that you're just going to chase after something that blows everything up. In that moment when you want it right now, you're going to decide and we're going to decide as a follower of Jesus that later is greater. I'm going to think about the impact that whatever I'm doing now has on my children, my future financial life, my future marriage, my future relationships, and I'm going to make my decisions not just based on what I want now. I'm going to make decisions based on what God is doing in my entire life. And Jesus said, don't just worry about things that rust and that you collect on earth. Think about things that last forever. Now again, if you missed the first part of the series, we've simply been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5 through 7. You can go back and watch the messages. We've heard that they've been super helpful. But this is like Jesus' most famous sermon. And it's a reality for all of us. And it's a challenging thing because it's hard and it's hard to do. But when we decide to walk down these paths, there's a promise that at the end, our life will go in a better direction forever. And here's, here's what we discovered about average people. The average people, they know what to do. They know what to do. Most of you, we know. We went to Sunday school. We had a grandma or a grandpa that taught us something or a parent or a friend. Most of us know what to do with things like our health. Like, you know if you want to live healthy, right? I want to eat healthy. I want to live healthy. You can't eat three Big Macs a day. Yet, how good is it to eat three Big Macs a day, at least for a couple of days, and then you're sick of Big Macs? But you know how that works. Men, if you want a good marriage, you know what to do, right? You know what it takes to have a good marriage. You cannot watch football three, three days in a row over the weekend if you want a great marriage, unless your wife likes it, and then you just married really well. But that's a whole different topic. But you know if you want a good marriage, you've got to pay attention to your spouse. You want to be a great employee, you cannot show up to work late every day of your life. But we know what to do. The question is, will we do it? Now, here's the little secret. If you're new to church, if you're new to faith, if you're new to Christianity... Here's what you need to know when it comes to Christians. Christians, or the average Christian, is impressed with attendance. This is really fascinating to me. Now this was meant two years ago, it meant for most people in our world coming a couple times a month, or really 2.4 times a month to church and showing up. Now the average attendance of a person in America is about 1.4 times a month, which is not very much, and that's the consistent people. But even now in the changing world that we're in, the average Christian is really impressed with attendance. And this is what that means. I showed up to church. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. 
I showed up and I sang two songs and I heard a message and I agreed and that's not what I'm supposed to be that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe for you it's hey, I attended my own Bible study every day and you should go to church and you should read the scriptures, right? We should do that. But we are so impressed when we learn something, we hear something, we show up to what we're supposed to show up for. It's it's a little bit like the elliptical in my basement right now. I've kind of gotten away from exercise. I need to get back to it. Now that Golf season's over, another subject for another time. Um, but my elliptical has turned into a coat hanger for, my, for me in the basement. And it does no good for me to have the elliptical in my basement until I actually get on the elliptical and use it. But for the average Christian, we think, I just show up and I learn something new and then my life is changed and that is not the way it goes. You see, Jesus invited us to a better life, but it would be a harder life. It would be a more challenging life. It would cost us something, but what we get in return is so much better. He literally said this in chapter, or Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. He says, small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. The road that leads to life, and this is just not life for eternity, although that's included, but life on this planet is a smaller, harder road. And everybody jumps on the big road, the easy road. It's what the whole world's doing. But I'm inviting you to a more difficult road. But along the way, you will be able to find life. And here's the thing. Some of you, I think you came today. You jumped online. Middle schoolers, you came to this weekend because you're like, I want to find life. I don't want just what everybody else is. I want something better and more special. And I can't find it in the normal everyday drags of life. I got to find it in something better. And Jesus, yeah, it's following me, but it's going to mean you're going to have to put feet to what you already know, action to what you're being taught. And in that framework, he gives a, a teaching that's a little overwhelming, but it's so very simple. And you know this, the best teachings, the deepest teachings especially from Jesus, are the most simple. And he says something some of us learned in Sunday school. This might be the first time some of you have ever heard it, but some of us have heard this our whole lives, but we never really did it. This is what he says in light of all that. Therefore, everyone, which means everyone, who hears these words of mine, and now he's about to give two illustrations, a positive one and a negative one. And the two illustrations are, everyone that hears these words of mine, one of them is like a wise man, and the other will be like a foolish man. In other words, both people, the wise man, the foolish man, both hear my teachings of who I am and what my kingdom is like, and ultimately my death and my resurrection that would change the world. And the wise will navigate it one way and the foolish will navigate it another way. Now here is what's so interesting. When we think about this, when we think about the, everyone who hears these words of mine is like a wise man, we, we think it's, it's this answer. Nods or moves to my wise teachings. Now, let me explain that for a minute. Have you ever sat in church or sat next to somebody in church and they hear somebody like me speak and they just nod? Totally good to nod. Yeah, Jesus said, well, that, that's good. Keep nodding and agreeing. That doesn't you know good. You know what it means to moo in church? Yeah, I heard it out there. So the pastor says something and you go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a friend show up to our church one time and I, after he was the first time he'd been in church in a long time. I'm like, hey, what'd you think? What'd you think about church? He says, it's a really great church. You did a really good job, Matt. Why do people moo in your church? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I was sitting next to this guy and he kept going, mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's mooing. You get it, he's agreeing, which is good. You nod, you move, that's totally good. It doesn't mean you're moving in a wise direction. It just means you're hearing 
and you're agreeing. But agreeing with something changes nothing. It's the same as a wise man doesn't necessarily just tweet what he hears. And this is a famous thing we love to do. We go to church and we hear the pastor say something. We know our mom or our grandma might be on Facebook. And so we just, you know, quote the pastor on Facebook. So mama knows we went to church. You ever done that? Or you retweet something because it looks impressive spiritually. And that's fine. You can do that. I mean, we love it when you do that. But tweeting or Facebook posting something does not change us, nodding, mooing, attending, tweeting, that, writing notes is all good. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and say this with me, puts them into, ah, uh, Jesus, that's a whole lot harder. I don't, I don't want to practice this stuff. I want to moo to this stuff. It's so much easier. It's like a wise man. And here's the contrast. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Now let's just be honest. For a lot of us, we are foolish people, including the guy on stage, because I know a lot of stuff. I don't always choose to practice it. There's two kinds of people, both here. One leaves and decides, I'm going to implement this into my life. The other decides, I'm not going to pay any attention from here on out. I'm just going to agree. Middle school students that are here, so glad you're here. Yesterday was awesome. You know this. We had a great day yesterday. Lead the way for us as adults. You heard amazing things. Live it out. Practice it. You will be so much stronger than a lot of us were when we were your age. This is the opportunity. For us as adults, you know this, we do not practice it, and then our lives fall apart, and what do we mostly do? We blame God. Why is my marriage so bad? Why are my finances so bad? Why, why am I making such bad decisions? And Jesus might say, because you made it all about attendance as a follower of me. And, and, and the truth is, for some of you that are left the church, and now you're back, the reason you'd say, I left the church is because I was around a bunch of Christians, and they didn't do what they were taught. I sat in church with people and they were taught to turn the other cheeks and love their neighbors. And then they have these views on different things in our world, in our country, whatever the view is. And they acted like complete jerks to the people around them. And they were mean and they were spiteful and hypocritical. And I just thought, listen, if you're not going to practice anything you're taught, I'm leaving. And some of you left the church because of that. Now you're back. And we're not getting it all right. I'm not getting it all right. But we're trying to figure this element out. And you see, above average followers of Jesus, they base their decisions on what he taught. And then they do it. And Jesus gives two examples that are really familiar. Some of you have heard this your whole life. But remember, simple is usually the deepest. But for some of you, this is a brand new illustration. But it's so helpful for me. He says, in light of this, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And and the imagery and the understanding is so simple. You build your house on something that is solid, something that lasts, something that is strong. I showed this picture to the students last night. This is the Temple of Malta in Europe. This is one of the oldest structures that are still standing on the planet. This is, they think, could be up to 5,000 years old. Now, here's my observation of this. This structure is 5,000 years old. It is not pretty, but it stands And the reason why I like the fact it's not pretty is this is the promise sometimes we're told by people like me with microphones that if you follow Jesus, if you really believe, if you really have faith, your life's just going to be pretty. And that is not necessarily true. We'll read about this in just a second. 
But what will happen if you base your life on Jesus, you'll be able to stand through it. You'll be weathered, you'll be dinged, you'll be wounded at times, maybe a little scarred, but you will still be able to stand. This is a structure that was built on stone and has lasted for 5,000 years. This is his illustration, come to life. But the reason why it's not necessarily pretty is because of what Jesus says. Jesus said, the rains came down. Yeah, you, you built your life on my teachings. It's true. The rains came down. Can I ask you a question? What rains are falling on you right now? I, I've heard about 10 different things from just people that are just going through hard stuff this morning. What rains are coming down in your life right now? And the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. What, what's blowing against your house today? Is it your marriage? I, I know it's hard. You may just be in a really tough season spot in your marriage. Is it your career? Is it your finances where things have just gone sideways? You got a child that, man, he was doing or she was doing so well, and now she's just taking a left turn and you, you don't even know what to do? Yeah, those are winds, those are rains, those are storms that are blowing. Your own health is going sideways. This does not mean when we follow Jesus, everything is fine. The rains come down for the wise person just like the foolish person. But look what Jesus says. And it, Oh, back up just a second. Let me finish reading that. And beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it has its foundation on the rock, on Jesus and Jesus' teachings, and then eventually his death and resurrection. It was able to stand. Hearing this is so important, but doing it is everything. And I just want you to know, and maybe you just need to hear this from me, whether you're a student, whether you're a college student, whether you're an adult, you're a little older like I am. If you have storms in your life, it is not because God does not love you or has forsaken you or forgot about you. Everybody faces storms. We know God loves us because he gives us something to stand on and have a foundation with. The other example is this. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man or woman who built his house upon the sand. And this is just a simple idea that sand never lasts. And, it, and if you're a parent, well, if you're anybody, and you've ever been on the beach, but if you're a parent, you've done this, you, you built castles on the sand with your kids. Meg, Jake, and Josh and I, when they were little, we'd be on Lake Michigan, and we would dig and build all day long. And we always dig a big hole, and then somebody would get buried in it, and then my daughter Meg, would, when she was little, would sit on it, and then she would threaten to pee on her brothers. That's a whole different story. I don't want to talk about that, because she'll be mad at me if I say that again. Um, she's right here, by the way. Um, so, and then we build sandcastles. And you know how this goes with your kids. You build these sandcastles. And then one of the reasons we love to build in the sand is why? Because it's easy, right? You can make, you know, castles and carve them out and drip sand and do all these wonderful things. And it's easy material to work with. And then you're done and you've built something. But the heartbreaking thing is you leave and come back the next morning. And as soon as one wave washes over your sandcastles, they're all gone because you built something that was made out of something that was way too fragile. And Jesus is just direct. He would say to his followers, you got to stop doing that. I love you way too much for you to let everything you build just fall apart because it's not on something that's substantial. And here's the thing with this whole idea of building something on sand. It's what most of us do when we just decide to follow culture. And again, I say this all the time. I'm not against culture. But if you just pick your feet up and let the river of culture take you where culture takes you, 
It'll take you where everybody else is going. And that's not necessarily the healthiest place in your life. It's not like culture is bringing people to better marriages and better families and more security and stronger identity and who God created them to be. Culture takes us in places that are pretty terrifying, if you will. And it certainly doesn't mean if I like build my life on my own desires. I mean, just speak to the men. We talked about this last week. Men, if we just build our life on our own desires, our own desires will jack our lives up. I do not need to go very deep into that for us to understand that. Our appetites and our desires as men and women, I'm sure it applies to you. If I build my life on those things, I'll undermine my own life. And I will not be on the road that follows Jesus to real life. But what Jesus says is when you build your house on a rock, it's all about follow through. He would say follow through will determine a firm or faulty foundation. It's not just hearing my words, it's doing them and following through. It makes all the difference. And then he gives us a result. And I I thought about this and sharing this with you guys this morning. This is actually a little painful, maybe for you today. It has been painful for me to think about this in parts of my life. Because the result is this. The rains came down. And the streams rose. Because it does for everyone. And the winds blew and they beat against the house. And it fell with a great... Let's just read this together. And it fell with a great crash. Have you ever like stood outside your own life and looked in and went, oh, my life just crashed. And maybe for you right now, you're like, hey, my life is crashing in the moment. I just need you to know there's hope for you. But it's centered around a hearing, knowing, and then following Jesus' teachings. You've had a friend, you've had a student, you've had a child, a spouse, a loved one, that you just watched their life fall apart and you saw it coming and you tried to say something to them, but they didn't, they weren't able to see it and their life fell with a great crash. Now here's the good news for us as Jesus followers. And if you're not a Jesus follower, know this. Jesus is in the business of taking something and putting it back together. He is so good at this. But I'll say this to our middle school students here that you're at a young age. Oh, come on, listen to me, guys. This is not for the adults at all. In fact, this is gonna be heartbreaking for the adults to hear, but I need you to hear this because you're important to us. There's a room full of adults right now that would give anything to go back right where you guys are, 12, 13, 14 years old, and do it over and build our lives on something more firm than what we chose the first time. Because Jesus put all of our lives back together after our crash, you actually have an opportunity to avoid the crash, to build your life on something that's firm and solid. And last night, I know a bunch of you made a decision to do that. I just want you to know you will never, ever regret it. Lead the way for us. Show us how it's done. We will cheer you on. We will fund you. We will be behind you. And maybe it's one of you that will be the next person that stands on this stage and teaches young people about what it means to follow God. And adults, I need you to know whether you're 20 or you're 50 or you're 80 years old, it is still not too late to decide I'm gonna put my life on a firm foundation and not just hear God's word. I'm gonna actually do it because culture And my own desires have not got me where I want to be. And what Jesus taught, I'm telling you, it changed the world, but it also changes us. Now, here's the challenging thing. Average people, average people, we know what to do, don't we? Most of us do. 
And again, we're here as a church to help you know. It's why we work so hard in this room to try and make things understandable and applicable. It's why if you walk into Wombland and Upstreet, our kids' environments, I mean, there are people bending over backwards to help our children, your children, your grandchildren understand principles that they can hold on to for the rest of their lives. It's why yesterday and every day in transit and inside out with our high school, middle school students, I mean, there are small group leaders. I mean, there are adults in our church that are sitting with our middle school students right now that if you know they work in there, you need to go to them after this service and you need to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your investment in students. So thank you. So we're here to help you all know, but average people just know. Anything but average people do what they know in their marriage, at work, in their friendships as a parent when they observe themselves not doing that, they decide, I'm going to reroute. This is where we go deep in our faith. It's not just knowing more. It's doing what we know. So can I ask you all a question? Middle school, high school students, adults, grandparents. Come on, this is where it lands for us. What, what do you know to do that you're not doing right now? It's a challenging question, isn't it? What do you know to do What do I know to do that I'm not doing right now? And again, you know because your mama told you. You had a granddaddy that told you. Because you went to Sunday school. You've been around here for long enough that you know, but you're not doing. Like, with your sexual behavior. You've heard, if you've been around here at any length of time, you've heard me talk about, you know, how God's design for our sexual behavior is. And you just said, yeah, I know, and that's probably true. I'm just not going to do it. Maybe it's time to do it. With the whole love your enemies. You're so mad at some people. You're so mad at a person. You're so mad at God. And Jesus just said, hey, love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Maybe for some of you, it's just the fact that somebody has told you you're drinking too much. And that means you're probably drinking too much. And you know it's time to make a change. But you haven't decided to do that yet. What are you going to do with that? You know what your spouse needs because she has told you. He has told you, and it may not all be right, but you need to love and serve husbands. You need to go home and you need to love and serve your wife. And you know it's the right thing to do, but you have five reasons why you shouldn't have to do that and she should do it first, but it is the right thing to do. What do you know that you're not doing? And what difference could it make down the road? Remember, later is always greater. And here, here's what I was challenged with last week. I got asked by one of you amazing people that really made me think about this because I gave you a long list of things that you could start working on right now with all of this. And I got asked, well, where do I start? There's so much to do. Where do I start? So here, here's an insight. If you're like, okay, I know a lot of stuff, but I can't start doing it all at the same time. Where do I start? Start with the people you love most. Start with the people you love most. Now you can't stay there because if you only care about the people you love most, you're being selfish. But start with the people you love most. Start with your spouse. Start with your kids. Dads, maybe your kids just need you to pray with them at night. Maybe maybe dads, uh, this is insight. Yeah, I'll say this. I was around a bunch of middle schoolers last night, dads and moms, but dads, listen to me. And I heard this more than once. I'm not sure I can please my dad and be a good enough athlete. Dads, 
maybe the best thing you could do for your son or your daughter, but maybe it's your son, is start taking the pressure off of him or her to be as good as you were. You might save their life because of it. And you might be a better representation of Jesus because of it. Maybe for you, it's your own local church. You you know what to do. You you know you should be involved. You should show up. You should serve some middle school students. You should be generous. You know what to do, and you just haven't done it. You love your church. It's what you love most, but you haven't started yet. Maybe for you, it's confessing some stuff, letting go some stuff, but let it start with the people that you love most. So who do you love most? What do you love most? Now start there and work your way out one little step at a time over a period of time will make all the difference and exceed what you need to exceed. So let's just go back. Sorry, I got off on a little bit of a chain. That was really emotional for me, but I feel strongly about some of those things. Where we've been over the last three weeks when it comes to being anything but average starts with exceed expectations. I'm going I'm to exceed the expectations of people in my life. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in tune. I'm going to love. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to do what average people don't do. And then I'm going to choose. I'm going to live for later. I'm, I'm going to base my decisions on how it impacts my family, my finances, my kids, my own dignity and integrity, how it impacts me a year or 10 years from now, just not in this moment when I have so many desires. And then lastly, what we talked about today is simply do what you already no. What you already know, you probably don't need to learn more. You probably, and I probably need to start doing more. Now, what I recognize through this list is this is a big ask for me to ask of you and really for me to ask of myself. And where this goes so easily when it comes to church world is I better do this or I'm failing or I better do this or God doesn't love me. I better do this or I'm a bad Christian And that's where we get so off course with this. Do you know why we do this? Leave this up on the screen just for a minute. Because Jesus exceeded our expectations when he showed up on the planet as a human being and died on a cross. And he lived and then he died for something that was later, like 2,000 years later, we are still being changed by Jesus and what he did 2,000 years ago. He gave everything for us. And he did what he knew would be right, and that was save his children from separation from him forever. And you see, when you've been loved that way, when God does something for us in such an extraordinary way, the, the call is to come close to God and let it change us from the inside out. And I feel the pressure of not just laying these things out and going, okay, now go do them, guys. Go be disciplined, try harder, because we failed at that, haven't we? We've all failed this. I think the key ingredient is, and where I want to close today is, God, we're going to draw really close to you. I don't know how to be a better dad or a better husband or have more, but I'm going to draw close to the one that does. And the closer I come to Jesus, the more he's going to change me and give me the strength to do these things. Now, I have to make decisions to do them. But I'm going to draw on the strength to do it from my heavenly father. And we're about to sing a song. It's called Sinking Deep. And it talks about sinking deeper into love with Jesus and knowing him better. And letting him change us from the inside out. What I hope is we don't just sing a nice song and get emotional and, you know, pat our chest. What I hope is we can say, Jesus, I want to do what I know, what you taught. 
but I want to be so close to you that I can't help but do it and be led in the direction towards you. And then we're going to spend the rest of our lives with God's help being the people God has called us to be. And if you're here and you're not even sure you believe any of this, that is so okay for this moment. We're glad you're here and we want you to consider, just consider whether this is a life that's worth following because this is the life Jesus leads us to. So I'm going to pray, then we're going to stand, sing, and I hope we can lean deep into who our God is and ask for help in these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you have given me grace as I have not lived wisely at times in my life. And I'm so thankful that you've offered the opportunity to me and the rest of us to stand on a firm foundation. And I would pray that we would make this choice to follow you. And then, Jesus, you'd give us the strength to live out and do what you asked us to do, all based on the fact that you showed up and you gave your life for us and then you rose from the dead that we would have life in you. Help us know what to do and then help us have the courage to do it and the strength to do it today. And thanks for your love that never runs out on us and is so generous and overwhelms us in so many ways. It's in your name I pray. Amen.